Among the many quotes that you saw in the, uh, in the video, there's one from a man named uh, John W. Sayers. John W. Sayers was a chaplain for Camp Geary at Gettysburg in 1883. And he delivered sermons at that Pennsylvania post uh, for many, many years uh, in the late 1800s. One of his most famous quotes is what I want to read to you now from John Sayers, Reverend John Sayers, around the year 1896. He said this, That nation suffers a great calamity whose children and youth have separated themselves from yesterday's battlefields and victories and have forgotten to honor the memories of their fathers from whom they have received a priceless heritage. Memorial Day is a special day. Uh, It's a day in which we honor those who have paid the ultimate price. We look back and we recognize that the freedoms we have now is because of the honorable service of those who have come before us. The history of Memorial Day is kind of unique. It was uh, perhaps started back in 1968, it looks like. Major General John Logan of the Grand Army of the Republic, an organization of Union veterans, set aside... Uh, May 30th, and it later came to be the the last Monday of May, as Decoration Day to commemorate fallen soldiers. And uh, that tradition started in 1868. is carried on to today, 2009. We honor those who have come before us, who have fought for the freedoms we now enjoy, who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Um, We honor people who have truly lived Honorably. And the title of my message today is simple. It is honor. Honor. I think honor is a word that uh, is often uh, just overlooked in today's culture. Uh, Honor is not something that uh, is quickly aspired to by uh, the people of our day. And I want to ask the question, what is honor? What does it mean to be a person of honor? Uh, Some dictionary definitions of honor. Let's take a look. Dictionary definitions of honor. Random House Dictionary says this. It's uprightness. It's honesty. It's integrity. It refers to the highest moral principles and the absence of deceit or fraud. It denotes a fine sense of and a strict conformity to what is considered morally right. And the American Heritage Dictionary adds, honor is a good name or a reputation. I think these are fitting definitions for honor. They give us a picture of what it looks like to be a person of honor. One of the things that uh, is easily forgotten is that we as a people, we as a creation, we as men and women created by God, were created in honor. We were created in honor. Take a look at Psalm chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. It says this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Your name in all the earth! When I consider Your heavens, the work of Your fingers, the moon and the stars which You have ordained, what is man that You are mindful of him, and the son of man that You visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. 
You have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Verse 4 and 5, What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little, low, a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. In the, later on in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, that text is likened to Christ, the ultimate Son of Man. But in the Psalms, when David penned these words, he was referring to creation, to men and women being created by God. We were created to be a people of glory and honor. We were created by God with honor. We were created over the beasts of the field, over the fish. We were meant to have dominion over them. We were one of the most precious elements in all of God's creation. Created in honor, men and women. We were meant to exist in honor. Friends, you are living as God intended you to live when you are a people of honor. You are living as God intended you to live, as God created you to live, when you are a person of honor. And when you dishonor your body by immorality, or when you dishonor your person by your words or actions, you are acting entirely unlike how God designed you. We were created to be people of honor. And yet, even still, though we were created in honor and intended to be a people of honor, sin and wickedness has pushed its way in, hasn't it? Sin and wickedness has pushed through what God intended and pushed it aside. And so while the psalmist is correct in saying that we were created in glory and honor, the Apostle Paul is also correct when he says in 1 Corinthians 15, the body is sown in corruption, it is sown in dishonor, it is sown in weakness. Created to be honorable, but through sin, we have relinquished our honor. We have relinquished the glory that God wishes for one of His highest creations. My hope today on this Memorial Day weekend, a time in which we speak of honor, we think of honor, my hope today is that we will become a people who earnestly seek to recover and keep the honor the Lord first bestowed upon us at creation. And so I'm asking the question, how do we recover our honor? How do we recover our honor? First, first and foremost in answering this question, we must return to the one who made us honorable in the first place. And I want to be very clear about this. We, if we are to be a people of honor, we must return to Jesus Christ, the one who first honored us by creating us. Becoming a person of honor begins with knowing the only one who perfectly epitomizes honor, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that isn't to say that an unbeliever can't be a person of honor. Actually, they can. And I know many who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior who 
act honorably and speak honorably and, and live with a measure of, of nobility and honor. However, the only reason we consider the conduct of anyone to be honorable is because we are measuring that conduct as it corresponds to the virtues of the triune God of the Bible. We know what honor is because we know who God is. And so whether it's an unbeliever acting honorably or a believer acting honorably, they are acting honorably insofar as they are acting in accordance with the virtues of God. If you wish to recover your honor, you must return to the One who perfectly epitomizes it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will begin the path back to honor. The honor that you were created with. How can we recover our honor? What can we do to return to a people of honor? I want to take us through some Proverbs now. I want to take us through the wisdom of Solomon. This is going to be selected scriptures. A topical message. Um, Normally we're going... uh, book by book, verse by verse here at Coast. But for today, I want to survey a number of Scriptures and take a look at Solomon's wisdom when it comes to the issue of honor. I want to give you six very practical truths to become a person of honor. How do we recover our honor? First, the honorable person embraces wisdom and integrity. Take a look at what Solomon has to say about wisdom and integrity that brings honor. He says this, Exalt wisdom, and she will promote you, she being wisdom. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. In Proverbs 21.21, He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. It is a simple thing, but simple but profound. The person who's living wisely, who's living righteously, is on the road to recovering their honor. Embracing wisdom. Seeking knowledge. Living respectfully and righteously. This is what brings a person back to the road of honor. Secondly, the honorable person shows grace in abundance. And it's very fitting here that Solomon likens this first example to a woman of grace. He says this, A gracious woman retains honor. But ruthless men retain riches. And again in Proverbs 14.31, The one who oppresses the poor reproaches his Maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. The Lord is honored when we show mercy, when we show grace. A gracious woman retains honor. One One of the best ways to get back to the road to honor is to be a person of grace, to be a person of mercy, to show it in abundance. Gracious speech. Merciful words and actions. When I think of someone who is honorable, I think of someone who is, who is slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to wrath. They're quick to show grace and mercy. The honorable person shows grace in abundance. Thirdly, the honorable person openly receives rebuke and criticism. I really like this text. Proverbs 13:18. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. 
Now, those are powerful words. That's one of my most favorite proverbs, quite frankly. Poverty and shame, dishonor, will come to him who disdains correction. But he who regards a rebuke will be honored. An honorable person is one who listens to the rebuke, listens to the criticisms of others. And while their tendencies, while their sinful flesh tells them to push away those criticisms and to push away that rebuke and and to mock it and to say, well, that's not me, you can't be right. No, an honorable person accepts the criticism, accepts the rebuke humbly, graciously, and seeks to change. An honorable person is always seeking to improve. Always seeking to get better. To become a person of greater integrity. And so he or she openly receives rebuke and criticism. Are you a person who openly receives rebuke and criticism? Or when you are criticized, do your defenses go up? Do you make your case for yourself? Or do you seek to grow through the rebuke and criticism of others? Fourth, the honorable person, as we've been talking, practices humility and deference. A list of Proverbs here, uh, two of which have a common phrase which, which I love, near to my heart. Proverbs 15.33, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. And again, Proverbs 18:12, before destruction the heart of a man is haughty, it's prideful, but before honor is humility. And 29:23, a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. It's often the case that people strive for honor and they strive for accolades and strive for rewards and 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 the the awe and the admiration of the people around them and yet they do so pridefully. They do so trying to get it, trying to reach for it in pride, in haughtiness, seeking it for their own selfish gain. But Solomon says time and time again, before honor is humility. Jesus actually said in in John 12, he says, I don't honor myself. My Father's the one who honors me. Even Christ did not honor himself. He showed humility. He showed grace. He showed deference to others. And the honor came to Him. The honor was passively received. It was not actively sought after. The honorable person practices humility and deference. Fifth, the honorable person resolves conflict quickly and amiably. Proverbs 20, verse 3 It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Uh, There's few things I admire more in a person than when they have opportunity to escalate a conflict and they don't. Let me say that again. There are few things that, that really impress me in a person then when they have opportunity to escalate a conflict, to escalate an argument, to escalate some discord and say, oh yeah, did you hear about that? And to bring division and fighting when they have opportunity to do it and they don't. Instead, they squash it. Instead, they squelch 
that argument, that difference, that conflict through grace, through mercy, through a calm word, a calm response. Solomon says, hey, any fool can start a quarrel. Anybody can keep discord going. Anybody can keep an argument going. But a wise person, an honorable person, seeks to stop strife when it starts. I have a pastor friend in the area, and uh, he and I, we meet together occasionally over lunch just to talk about ministry, talk about life. And recently, um, he had a conflict in his church where some elders had a conflict with a staff person in the church. And this conflict escalated so quickly. It escalated in board meetings. It escalated outside in the church in parking lot, talking back and forth. And pretty soon there were elders and staff biting and fighting and discord over the most petty of issues. If I were to relay to you the exact circumstances, he'd say, are you kidding? The honorable person sees that strife, sees that conflict, sees that discord, and immediately seeks to bring about reconciliation. The ministry that Christ has given to us, the ministry of reconciliation. Do not be a person who escalates conflict. Be a person who quickly resolves it. Quickly and amiably. Sixth, and finally, the honorable person is patient, faithful, and persevering. Proverbs 27:18. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. It's kind of a peculiar proverb. What does it mean? It means the one who's tending to the fig tree, like any, like any plant of the garden, like any farmer, you know that tending to a tree or tending to a plant of some kind, it takes work. It takes faithfulness. It takes time. It takes time. You don't receive the fruit of your labors immediately. No, it takes months of sowing the seed and watering and carefully attending to the plant, the tree, so that when it grows up, you can enjoy its fruits. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat of its fruits. So he who waits on his master will be honored. The honorable person is a patient person, is a faithful person, is a persevering kind of person. These six proverbial truths from the lips of Solomon and others in the Proverbs are what mark a man or woman of honor. But like the last mark of a man of honor or a woman of honor, that idea of patience, like the last of these six truths, honor comes to those who wait for it with patience and perseverance It is not bestowed hastily upon a person. It is acquired slowly, gradually, over time. I've heard it said before that honor takes a lifetime to build. And I think that's well said. Let me say it again. Honor takes a lifetime to build. A lifetime to build. But guess what? In a moment, it can be destroyed. Honor takes a lifetime to build and only a moment to destroy. Only a moment. Only a heartbeat to destroy. Solomon continues his wisdom about 
honor in the book of Ecclesiastes. Notice what he says here. He says this, Dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. Did you catch that? A little folly. One little folly. All it takes is a little folly and a lifetime of seeking after wisdom and honor can turn a sweet-smelling life into one that exudes a foul odor. Solomon likens such a scenario to dead, rotting flies ruining the beautiful smell of a jar of perfume. One folly, one moment, and honor can be lost. My, my wife... Uh, she, when she was a kid, she uh, loved going out to dinner with her dad. And uh, her dad would take her all sorts of different places, you know, different restaurants that she liked. One of her favorite places uh, when she was a little girl was, uh, was Coco's. And she would go to Coco's with her dad and just loved, you know, the, the sandwiches and the soups and the salads and all this stuff at Coco's, you know. It was, uh, just one of those father-daughter places when they were growing up. But one day... As they went to Coco's and Casey ordered her sandwich, uh, she took a bite and uh, put the sandwich down and noticed something in the sandwich. And she lifted up the bread, and sure enough, in her sandwich was a fish head. A fish head! You know, so that BLT became a BLTF, bacon, lettuce, tomato, fish, you know? A fish head in her sandwich. My wife was about 8 or 10 years old here and she's opening this up and she sees this fish head and immediately she just screams out loud. And her dad sees it and he's talking to the waiter and says, What is this? What are you doing? Guess what, friend? Do you think she ever went back to Coco's after that? How many of you think she ever went back? Raise your hand. She never went back to Coco's. My wife has never darkened the door of a Coco since. And that happened when she was eight years old. That's where you're going for lunch. All right, yeah, we're going to Coco's after this. So if anybody wants to join us, just right down the corner. Why do I bring this up? One little folly. One little misstep. One little act. And years of my wife enjoying her BLT sandwich at Coco's was ruined. She's never darkened the door again. One little folly can erase a lifetime of honor. One cross word. One foolish act. One moment of indulgence or passion. One little folly and a lifetime of building an honorable name can be erased. One sin is all it takes. I think in our culture, uh, most prominently... We see this happen through the sin of adultery. And Solomon noticed that. He was well aware of that. And this is what he wrote in Proverbs 5, verses 7 through, 8, 7 through 10. He says, Hear me now, my children. Hear me on this one. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her, that is the adulteress. And do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor 
to others and your years to the cruel one. Lest aliens, strangers, be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. These are powerful words. Solomon speaking of one folly, one moment of passion. And a lifetime of honor can be reduced to ruins. Many of us have fallen to this. Maybe not the one act of adultery, but maybe a, a one crossword, a one bad family moment. Many have seen our honor brought to ruin. Many of you may still hold on to that guilt from that one moment, that one moment you look back in your life and you say, there it was. That was, that was that moment that changed my honor. That changed my good name. That changed my reputation. I want to just say very clearly, many of us, as I'm relaying, as I'm seeing, as I'm reciting this verse, many of us can relate. Many of us have experienced this, and if not this, something very similar to it. And I want to say very clearly, you're not alone if your honor has been reduced to ruins because of one act, one foolish moment, you're not alone. And number two, there is restoration. There is hope. That's why Jesus came. That's why He came. He came to bring redemption. He came to bring reconciliation. He came to bring back hope. And whether you've committed adultery, whether you've committed some other foolish act that has in your past reduced your good name, I want you to know the path to rebuilding honor comes through Jesus Christ. That's why He came. That's why He came. Finishing the race. Finishing the race is what is emphasized in Scripture. Yes, there may be moments in our life where we fail, where our honor is reduced to ruin. But it is how we finish that matters. And that is why the Apostle Paul speaks of finishing well so many times in his epistles. Notice what he says here in 2 Timothy 4. He says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. Paul says, finish well. Paul did not start well. May I remind you? He started by persecuting Christians, by killing them. Killing Christians. His good name to rubble. But Paul finished well. And he says, finish well, and the Lord will honor you. Exactly what Jesus says in John twelve twenty six. He says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my Father, will honor. Friends, we were created in honor. Remember? We were created 
in glory and honor. One of the highest of all of God's creation. We were meant to be God's honorable creatures. But sin has dishonored us. I say today, let us recover that honor. Let us return to Jesus, the One who created us and desires that we return to what He intended for us to to be and to live like. Jesus tells us that the Father is waiting to honor those who serve His Son. And no matter how we've acted dishonorably in the past, no matter that moment or two, or three or four, in which our honor has been reduced to rubble, I say from henceforth, let us be a community of honorable people. Live as you were created to be. At the beginning of this message, I mentioned a quote from Reverend John Sayers, the chaplain uh, during the latter part, uh, during the aftermath of the Civil War in Pennsylvania. And John Sayers um, would speak on Memorial Day. It was one of his favorite times to preach. And in fact, an entire book is dedicated to his sermons on Memorial Day. And uh, in one of his final sermons, uh, Sayers uh, mentions the event at Appomattox. How many of you know what happened at Appomattox, Virginia? Raise your hand. I'm going to say that again. Appomattox. See, I know what happened there. I just don't know how to say it. How embarrassing is that? Appomattox, Virginia. Raise your hand if you know what happened at Appomattox, Virginia. Okay, a few of us. At Appomattox, Virginia, uh, General Robert E. Lee surrendered to General Ulysses Grant, thereby virtually, a couple months later, ending the Civil War. At Appomattox, Virginia, the Civil War was brought to an end. It was brought to its conclusion. It was brought to its finality. At Appomattox, the end of the war was brought to rights. It was concluded there. This is what Sayers has to say in relationship to Appomattox. Notice what he says. He says, as you answered, he's speaking to the soldiers here, as you answered your country's call and fought for her safety, answer now the call of the Lord Jesus. Find for sin and death an Appomattox, an end, a finality that will open the gates of the new Jerusalem through which you will pass to a reward greater and grander than any yet won on an earthly field and where the heroes and martyrs of all the ages and all the fields of honor will give glad welcome to Him who, having fought the fight and kept the faith, shall bear in His body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Find for sin and death an Appomattox. Bring it to its conclusion. Live as you were meant to live. As God created you to live. People of honor. And your reward will be great. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we know how You created us. Your Word tells us You wish us to be a people of honor. That's what You intended for us to be. 
And Father, so often we live dishonorably. So often we, are, we, we desecrate our bodies. We dishonor our lips with our words. We dishonor our person with our actions. Father, we've had that moment, that little folly that reduced our good name, our reputation. Father, let us now, by Your Spirit, be restored to a people of honor. Help us, Father, to regain what we've lost through Your Son, Jesus Christ. This weekend, Lord, we honor those who have served honorably for our country, sacrificed, paid the ultimate price, I pray today, Father, that we as a community of Christians would return to a people of honor, a people of dignity, a people that You created us to be. Father, show us the way. Restore our honor. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.